Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast. This is Jason Gewertz, editor and publisher of Sports Travel, and our guest on this episode is Molly Arbogast, president and CEO of POV Sports Marketing. Live sports events may be on hold, but that doesn't mean sports salespeople should automatically hit the pause button. In this episode of the podcast, Arbogast, a sports industry veteran who has worked for the WNBA, Learfield Sports, and the Philadelphia Eagles, among others, outlines what venues, NGBs, sports organizations, and brands should be doing now that the sports landscape has shifted. And she discusses what they should be thinking about when it comes to sponsorship, even before live events open back up to the public. But before we begin the conversation, here's a word from the sponsor of this episode. It may not seem like the right time to think about travel, but this too shall pass. Now more than ever, we need to come together as a community and a destination. Atlantic City is eager to welcome you back to our seaside destination when we defeat this crisis and come back stronger together. Our team is ready to assist you when the timing is right. In the meantime, we wish you good health now and in the future. Be safe and stay connected. Experiences await here. Learn more at AtlanticCitySports.org. That's AtlanticCitySports.org. And now, on to our episode. Based in Philadelphia, Molly Arbogast has held sales and marketing leadership positions with IMG Latin America, Palace Sports and Entertainment, and Learfield Sports over 25 years in the sports industry. She's also served as Vice President of Business Development for the WNBA and was Vice President of Corporate Partnership Development for the Philadelphia Eagles before forming her own sports marketing agency, POV Sports Marketing, in 2016. Today, her clients include brands that are investing in sports teams and venues, as well as venues such as convention centers that are looking to assess and price their own sponsorship inventory. And she also works with sports organizations, including national governing bodies, as they go about their own sponsorship strategies. With the sports industry on pause in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, Arbogast has advice for sports sales professionals on how they should go about strengthening their relationships and forming new ones. While everyone should proceed cautiously, her advice is for everyone to be maintaining those relationships, to be ready for the opportunities that will present themselves when events and fans return. And she's also got some specific ideas on how exactly that can be done. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Molly Arbogast, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Jason. So uh, the first thing I have to tell you is your background is very impressive across the sports landscape, having worked for organizations like the WNBA and Learfield Sports, but the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, I live in Denver. I've got a 10-year-old son who has never been to Philadelphia, but he is a fan of Eagles with a little E, you know, the the birds. And so in the last year, he has adopted the Philadelphia Eagles as his team. And when I mentioned I was talking to someone who used to work for the Philadelphia Eagles, he was really close to just taking over as host of this podcast. Well, tell him as a former proud Eagle, I will uh, we'll have to hook him up with a little bit of Eagle merch because Eagle, fan, Eagle fans are everywhere and we embrace them in Philly and uh, and have them come in from far and wide. So you'll have to get them to a game someday. Uh, they are. I, you know, I took him to a Denver Broncos game last year. They were playing the Browns, but he wore his Eagles jersey and uh, <laughs> there were so many Eagles fans. You know, they're, they're walking by him saying, hey, fly Eagles, fly. And he had no oh. idea what they were talking about. I'm like, they want to high five you. They're, they're actually 
fans like well, you are. On behalf, yeah. of the, on behalf of the city of Philadelphia, thank you for raising him right as an Eagle fan. <laughs> yeah, his his only request in life is to go to Philadelphia to see an Eagles game. It's it's completely ridiculous, but uh, we're going <laughs> to indulge him on that at some point. Good, at some, good, at definitely. So Molly, let's talk a little bit just quickly about your background as well before we get into this discussion on sports sponsorship. I, I touched on it, but tell me a little bit about your current endeavor, uh, POV Sports Marketing, and what your background is for those who are maybe unfamiliar with it. Absolutely. So uh, POV Sports Marketing is a boutique agency based out of Philadelphia, but with remote virtual workers. So our life has always been virtual. So working from home is not something that's new to all of us. And I think a lot of people realize how much work you can actually get done at home when you're not interrupted in an office environment. That's for sure. I started POV Sports Marketing four years ago after leaving the Philadelphia Eagles as the VP of Corporate Partnerships. And uh, my real passion has always been in the, const the construction of a deal, deal construct, and uh, really passionate about assets that can live over the test of time and really be able to be uh, nimble and flexible as digital and social constantly change. Marketing partnerships need to have that flexibility. So I've, uh, you know, my entire career, I've been in sponsorship sales. So I truly understand what it's like to be part of a sales team, whether it's as a director or running the group and really what needs to happen at the, the sponsorship uh, sales strategy from that perspective. And so when I started the firm four years ago, my passion was to serve brands. We do, we do buying. We're the agency of record for different brands here on the East Coast and some national brands. And um, But I also have a passion for sales. And while our agency does not sell sponsorship for entities, we advise them on how to do it so that they're not paying outside firms to go represent them, but rather investing in their personnel in-house to be able to go out and sell and own those corporate partnership relationships that are so important in the long run. So we kind of dip our toe in both sides of the pool, so to speak. And we really feel it serves both sides of, of our clients quite well in that brand. We're able to share the brand perspective. One of the bigger brands we represent is Wawa. So those of you who are familiar on the East Coast with Wawa, which is a combination of a, a sandwich food type shop with a convenience store, tremendously good coffee, as well as gas stations in certain markets. We advise them on all their sponsorship investments and handle all of their sports marketing. And, you know, we're able to share that perspective with the venues and properties that we advise from a sales standpoint. We're able to share that perspective of what buyers are looking for to really help them shore up their sponsorship sales across the region or country, depending on the type of property. Right. So in sports, your clients also include venues and, and sports organizations as well. Yes. Uh, one of our biggest clients uh, since we first opened has been SMG. So now ASM mm -hmm. Global. And we've evaluated venues for them across the country. And what we do is when we come in to evaluate a venue, it's all based on their sponsorship and sales generation. So we'll come in and really help them evaluate their offering, their rate card, their inventory, their benefits packages, basically building out their deck so that they know how to go out and sell and really then uh, teaching their sales executives on the ground, which in many cases are doing multiple jobs. They might be the yeah. head of PR and the head of sponsorship. And no one's ever really sat them down and talked to them about ad sales. 
And they'll say, well, I sell sponsorships. And I'm like, absolutely. But you need to know who to talk to and you need to understand ad rates in your market. You need to understand the jargon. You need to understand uh, buying cycles, fiscal cycles, those kinds of things. And that's where we really help get your sales team up to speed. You know, the army of one, if you will, in many venues. Yeah. And, right. um, and then we advise them for six months, at almost operating like a sales manager. So what's really great is we are in touch with the people that we've worked with and um, even after the contract's over, I, I just was emailing with Denny Sanford Premier Center this morning, checking in uh -huh. on uh, our good friend Rick Huffman, who we advised a year or so ago and has just done so well there. Well, let's uh, let's dive in a little bit on that, Molly. Obviously, we're living in in pretty extraordinary times as we're having this discussion here in mid-April 2020. Uh, you know, it's almost hard to know how to respond or adjust in almost all aspects of the business world, let alone the sports industry. And uh, sponsorship takes on a, a whole other set of complications, I would imagine, as things are temporarily shut down here. So let's talk a little bit about from your different perspectives of the types of people that you work with, this notion of uh, sponsorship sales, and in particular, what this relationship should look like right now. You know, many of our readers and listeners are venues or, or people responsible for filling venues. And let's talk a little bit about what this sponsorship sales discussion should even be looking like right now, Molly. I'm, I'm curious to get your take yeah. on whether this is the time to be even thinking about new deals? Is this the time just to be checking in on the uh, on the people that you're currently engaged with? Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, the overall approach. I think some of these, uh, let's start with the venue world, what they should yep. be having right now. Well, you know, and I'll date myself a little bit, but it takes me back a little bit to, you know, gosh, I think I was in an NBA lockout in the late 1990s. Mm -hmm. And then we obviously had an extremely sad day of 9-11 and then the 2008-9 financial crisis. And a lot of this harkens back, it takes me back to those days when you're sitting in an office as a, as a seller and you think to yourself, what do I do? What do All I right. do today? And I think what's really important and um, from the brand side, you know, we've had a lot of great outreach from different teams that uh, Wawa and First Trust Bank and Stroman and other clients of ours work with checking in on us, which I think is so important and shows such commitment to the relationship. And I think that's really important to hold the sponsors that you have close and also say to them, how can we help you? Because a lot of these brands are really in a tough position. Uh, we're fortunate in that, you know, our folks at Stroman uh, are baking bread as fast as they can to keep the shelves and the supermarkets stocked. And right. our friends at First Trust Bank are working with small business to provide support during the loan stimulus, the PPP program. And then you've got Wawa who's trying to keep their doors open while respecting social distancing um, and serving folks with takeout and delivery. And it's important for brands to, to feel that love from these, these other property brands that they're investing in. And that can also be very high level outreach at this point from those folks, I think is very good for a, a senior person at a team to reach out to senior people at a sponsor and say, we want you to know we're thinking about you. We know that this is um, an unimaginable time for our nation and the planet for that matter. And uh, we're committed to this community like you are. So as we start to uh, flatten the curve in certain markets and come out of this, let's talk about how we can help our communities heal. Properties are, you know, I heard a great term, someone called it a community asset, Tom Glick. Um, from the mm -hmm. Carolina Panthers called it a community asset. And I thought that was such an important thing to say, especially at this time, because teams truly are owned by the fans while they have owners. The sense is that they are owned by a, a, a city, a township, a municipality. You know, we all own we all own our Eagles, as an example. 
And I think that the ability to, when we can come together again, which when we will, those alliances, those team partnerships will be very important. And in the markets where you don't necessarily have a large pro team, the arenas and stadiums and ballparks that make up that fiber of the community are going to be the place where people come together whether it's for open houses and festivals and free concerts, those are going to be opportunities to come together. And, you know, we can start talking about those things and planning and dreaming a little bit around those community type events. Now, I think that as a, as a former seller, again, I sold for 27, 28 years. I think it's about reaching out to the partners that you have, continuing to build and network in your community And it's really more of a, we'll call it an indirect sell, where you're starting to reach out to people and and whether it's via LinkedIn or a warm introduction to say, listen, I know right now is probably not the right time to talk about working together, but it might be the right time to just start to get to know one another. And Mm -hmm. I think that works with warm introductions. I think cold calls are very hard right now, uh, but it really depends on the sector that that company is operating in because a lot of brands are continuing to plan. And while they might be cutting back on their TV expenditures and things like that, they're cutting back on them now, not because they don't have money. They're cutting back on them now because they don't want to appear tone deaf within the crisis dialogue. And they they don't want to necessarily affiliate their brand or they can't have an authentic reason besides thanking first responders to really get on air and talk. And what that's going to mean is in Q3, Q4 and Q1 of 21, they're going to have money to potentially invest in in offsetting the loss that they've potentially had in Q2, which is where mm-hmm. we're going to see the loss here. They're going to have to find a way to offset it so that their year-end numbers are high, or they can speak internally to their senior leadership that their Q1 of 2021 will be overperforming to, again, offset a potentially bad 2020 for some brands. I think some yeah. brands are going to find their sales down. You know, folks like 3M, God bless them, they cannot make masks fast enough and all the other protective gear that hospitals need, but they're not necessarily a huge sports marketer, if you will. So, you know, I think sellers should be filling their pipeline for really good calling in in Q3, Q4, because if you do not plan now for a true sales strategy in Q3, your 2021 is really going to suffer. Yeah. Well, you know, I think about from the venue end, not just at the pro level, although I do think about that as well, but I mean, even down to, uh, you know, you you mentioned ASM Global and convention centers, places that host sporting events, uh, you know, what this normal looks like, especially if, you know, it's slow in coming as far as bringing fans back into the stadium, you know, at the pro level, you can certainly imagine a lot of TV only events. And that's an interesting proposition when you're talking about sponsorship in venue, what that looks like uh, moving Mm -hmm. forward, if there aren't uh, 10,000 or or 5,000 or 20,000 people there to actually see the advertising in in the arena. Absolutely. I mean, I think minor league right now is is, going to have a a very, very difficult 2020. And we've, uh, we've worked with minor league baseball at the league level, as well as at the property level. And the, the fiber of why MILB is viable is because you've got a, a core connection to the local community. You're welcoming fans from the community. It's not a product you're purchasing for television. So mm-hmm. I think what ends up happening is people have to get super creative. And while they perhaps in the past hadn't necessarily developed a lot of digital or social content, they better now because you can pivot out of signage, whether you're a pro team uh, or a minor league team 
or even of an arena that has lost several of its concerts. You know, they have they tend to have very high social followings because people want to see what shows coming to town. Right. And so, you know, and at times from our research and uh, working with the SMG venues, ASM Global Now, they will have a following comparable to the local newspaper in their community. And so mm-hmm. people are listening. And if you put and now, my gosh, social consumption is through the roof because people have more time on their hands at home. They're checking their social channels. They're commenting, posting, getting engaged with content. And I truly believe if you build it, they will come on this one. I think that if you have to offset game day signage, uh, that might be LED signage or a video board feature, and you pivot into a social campaign with good content, there's a way to create content in a cost-effective way right now without going out and doing a lot of high production shoots. And Mm -hmm. I think if if, uh, venues are smart, and smaller teams are smart, they'll start to use their social channels to potentially provide make goods or offsets for signage that is not being seen right now. And uh, I think brands are very open to that as long as it's an authentic connection and can be potentially received well as a community support mechanism. Yeah, it's interesting too. You think about all the number of new venues that are coming online. You know, we're in the midst of this continued boom, or at least we were, you know, up until the last couple of weeks of not just at the pro level, although there are some big stadiums and arenas that are still under construction about to open, but also even down to the amateur level, you know, so many multi-sport complexes still, you know, many about to open in the fall and and later this year, early next year. And this halt at the moment for uh, proceeding along, if there is one, that's an interesting proposition for some of these new venues as well to kind of figure out right now, what, if anything, they should be doing when it comes to filling out their inventory. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, right now, if yeah, so you know, we're calling it the global pause, if you will, in, in many industries. And I think when you have this type of time, it is absolutely the time to get your sponsorship house in order. Mm-hmm. And there is such an opportunity to take a step back and look at everything. And this is, again, what we do on our the sponsorship edge side of our business. You know, take a look at the market, the region, inventory, your rate card developing the benefits packages, developing target lists, prospect lists, category goals. I mean, all things that are a basic mechanism of a pro team. A lot of these mid-market venues or properties don't necessarily have the expertise to understand how a sponsorship sales team is supposed to work. And in many cases, can't even staff a full team and they need one or two superstars to go out there and get it done. And I think right now is the break in the action to say, let's take a serious look at this because sponsorship is what's going to have to offset, as an example, a convention center. All the hotels are not occupied. Well, that hotel tax funds convention centers. And we've done work for the Pennsylvania Convention Center. We did a sports uh, sponsorship strategy for them uh, last fall to really look at sponsorships and what would be appropriate. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's going to be necessary to fill the bucket with sponsorship revenue when that tax revenue is not being it's not going to be available. And so what's interesting is when you look at pro team, obviously, like an NFL team, the TV contract from the league level drives a tremendous amount of revenue for the owners. Sure. Uh, but but there's more sponsorship revenue in, in 99 percent of the cases than there are ticket sales. And so I think sponsorship first is a very good strategy right now to say, if we don't look at investing in our sponsorship structure and we don't look at investing in making this terrific for Q3, Q4 of this year, 
you're going to be at a very, a very significant disadvantage for 2021 because brands budget in September, October, November for the following year. Mm-hmm. And if properties aren't in front of them, no matter what size they are, say it's a music festival outside of Houston, that music festival still needs to be able to reach out to people to make sure that whether their event's going to happen this year or not, maybe it's been, it is going to be on and that they have an opportunity to have brands. Uh, they offer a conduit for brands to connect to people that are going to want to come back together and be in a public setting and celebrate. If they end up postponing for a year or a period of months, it's still going to be really important that they're talking to brands about supporting them. I think brands are going to step up from a standpoint of community commitment and citizenship. They're going to step up. And whether, again, it's a, a small festival to a minor league baseball team, to a minor league hockey team, to a local a concert arena or a convention center, there are certain corporations that are really going to look to invest and support their communities. And I think this is, while a very difficult time for these venues, especially ones that are publicly funded, it's time to get the house in order so that you can be prepared for the resurgence and to be able to work with brands on the upswing. You are listening to the Sports Chapel Podcast with Molly Arbogast of POB Sports Marketing. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. It may not seem like the right time to think about travel, but this too shall pass. Now more than ever, we need to come together as a community and a destination. Atlantic City is eager to welcome you back to our seaside destination when we defeat this crisis and come back stronger together. Our team is ready to assist you when the timing is right. In the meantime, we wish you good health now and in the future. Be safe and stay connected. Experiences await here. Learn more at AtlanticCitySports.org. That's AtlanticCitySports.org. Let me shift the conversation a little bit to the sports organization and Molly. In particular, I'm thinking about the national governing bodies. We uh, we write about them quite a bit in sports travel, and so many of the cities that we do business with are interested in those particular events. This is a fascinating time for them as well. The Olympic Games, of course, have been rescheduled to next year, which throws off the entire uh, funding cycle of the Olympic yes. movement. But as you know, because you've worked with a, a number of national governing bodies in the past, sponsorship is one of the key sources of revenue on top of membership and, and events, but that sponsorship end is, is so important for them. And especially with events for the moment, at least largely being shut down. What are your thoughts there for that particular audience as far as how they should be approaching potential sponsors, either their existing ones or those that might've been in conversations with new ones in the new Olympic cycle? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I've thought a lot about the NGVs lately, especially with us almost being at what would have been 100 days to Tokyo and a lot of different announcements and campaign launches. And uh, my heart goes out to the brands who have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign. You know, I really feel for those folks because yeah. that you're not going to be able to either use that footage and it's, it's a bit of a, a loss. However, yeah. I think there's also a silver lining here. I think that if you if if brands or NGBs had created content kind of leading into Tokyo, I think the story continues. I think the story is okay. We've had this terrible situation where we've canceled uh, Tokyo. It was the right thing to do. It was the responsible thing to do. But now, how do we follow the athletes, our hopefuls, 
between now and when the Tokyo Olympics will take place to create digital content and social stories around, you know, dealing with adversity, dealing with loss, dealing with, I mean, to a degree, this is defeating for a lot of athletes because they've been training to be at peak condition to compete. And now what? Well, the story continues. And how do we chronicle that story as the road to, to, to Tokyo has been moved a year? How do we capture that, create content that will keep our sponsors engaged and allow them to continue to support the mission of that NGB? I also think that there's going to be a potential opportunity for a bit of a patriotic buy, more so than in the past, because of what mm-hmm. our country is going through. I mean, all 50 states, I read the other day, this is the first time in U.S. history that all 50 states are under a national emergency you know, alert, if you will. Yeah. And I think that that patriotism, uh, if positioned correctly, now is a good time for brands to or NGBs specifically to pull close their brands that are supporting them, but also go back to some of those prospects who might have said no. And say, listen, mm-hmm. I know we were a no for 2020 because you had a product rollout or whatnot, but we'd like to keep talking to you in the event that 2021 is a possibility for us to work together. And I think your pipeline can also shift a little bit based on categories that are committed to first responders, committed to nationalism um, that might say we'll step up and support these unsung heroes uh, and some of these athletes at various uh, summer NGVs. What's so interesting is a lot of us don't know these stars until they've competed and then they, you know, they're, they're on the, you know, they're on national television supporting a, a Coke or a Pepsi or whatnot right. with an endorsement. And I think this gives the NGBs another year to work with their current brands, but also approach new partners. And I think that they should be reaching out and saying, listen, our Olympic Games were moved. This is a terrible blow for our athletes, but we'd like to talk to you about being part of the road to Tokyo because we just got a restart. And we'd really love to have your brand be part of how we're going to chronicle the journey of our athletes. If I got a call like that, I'd listen. Yeah, it seems like an opportunity. The road has just gotten a little longer with the with a few more exits, but maybe that's a chance to, as you said, yeah. to bring in some people that that weren't necessarily on board for whatever yeah. reason earlier. Agreed. Yeah, and I guess that's a, sort of a similar approach, I would imagine, Molly, to, not just in the Olympic world, but for sports organizations of all kinds, particularly those that have uh, inventory to sell, whether it's a title sponsorship of an event that may be rescheduled or, or moved down the road. I don't think this is a situation necessarily unique to the Olympics, although at least they have a time certain now that, that they know um, and they know mm-hmm. how long that road is. But uh, it seems yeah. to me that's a maybe a similar situation for, for sports organizations in general as they're approaching kind of what the next few weeks and months look like. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a ton of uncertainty. And uh, when I think about, you know, the NFL has kind of stayed the course. I guess we're going to see uh, Commissioner Goodell call the, announce the draft picks from his living room, which I think will from be his house. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I just want to see what his living room looks like. I think everyone else does. <laughs> it's probably bigger than both of ours. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I will. I think it's going to be interesting. You know, we the hardest thing is we're we're really in a wait and see situation, and none of us want to sit and wait and decide and see what leagues are going to be doing. But I think we're still in a situation where within the next four weeks we're going to know more about when leagues are going to be able to come back. I know that there's been discussion about a, a lot of a single site locations for the NHL and the NBA mm-hmm. to potentially play out there seasons. I think that, you know, while it's not a great time for cold outreach, I've been, you know, advising a lot of salespeople that they should be really working their LinkedIn right now to broaden that universe and and message people and say, listen, I know that uh, 
now might be a very awkward time to connect, but we'd like to potentially speak with you about partnering down the road. A lot of down the road partnering. I think that that could be very well accepted. You just have to know again, what is the state of the brand you're calling? Like what's the state of their business before you're, you're calling them? If they're all, you're not calling corporate office for Applebee's right now. That would not <laughs> right. be a wise decision because they have obviously laid people off. And, um, you know, a lot of venues around the country have laid people off. I think one thing I challenge people, salespeople need to remember that they're always selling. And that even if they may be currently in a furlough or a layoff situation, they can take advantage of this time to fill their pipeline with who are they going to call? Who are their first 150 phone calls and emails that they're going to take when they're back at work? And really look at it as an investment in their own livelihoods, because last I checked, most salespeople get commission. And if you're going to take this time to take vacation, you won't necessarily be ready when you come back. And it's an opportunity to invest in yourself and your future as a seller. You know, Molly, that may be a good place to wrap things up, uh, particularly looking uh, at something positive uh, down the road. I do think, like everyone else, while there are so many unknowns right now, as you've suggested here, there are also so many opportunities that could be out there. The right mindset once things inevitably pick up. And uh, we know that they will. And that, uh, you know, my son and I will be in Philadelphia, probably of all places, (laughs) watching an Eagles game at some point, hopefully soon. And, you know, your clients will be back in business as well, hopefully sooner than later. So, you know, Molly, it's been a pleasure having you on and would love to stay in touch as things come back to normal here. Likewise, they will get back to normal and appreciate that opportunity to speak with you today. Thank you. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which also features breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at sportstravel on Twitter and Instagram, and at sportstravelmagazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Jason Gewertz for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.